Hey fans, this is Buddy Reed, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Don. To my left is Roy. Hello, everybody. Dude, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. I've, had a, I've had a wonderful weekend. Yesterday was FanFest. And uh, got to see a bunch of old friends, made a few new friends. It's always nice to make new friends. It's always nice to go to the uh, SD Social Summit. They have the SD Social Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first. It was my first fan fest. Well, we're going to go into more detail on the fan fest <clears throat> in a separate episode. Uh, definitely, I, Donovan was clever. Tell us what we, what you did. Well, I, <laughs> clever is a very nice word for you to say about me. Um, I recorded the interviews. So they had Sam Gini. Uh, he talked. Um, he talked for several minutes, and then Logan Allen, uh, Reggie Lawson, uh, Ty France, and a friend of the podcast, Nick Margavichis, were on the panel. Yeah, and uh, and they took some questions and uh, talked to the talked to uh, talked to the fans, and then played this funky game, which I did <laughs> record. And I don't know if it's worthy of yeah putting on the episode because it's like yeah, I think I'll crop that out. But what they what? did was they had the it's. It, it reminds me of a dental device. There's this thing that... You ever have a root canal and they put that thing in your mouth right open and you're slobbering all over yourself? Yeah, it, hold, it holds your lips open and then you're supposed to read cards and the other person has to figure out what you're trying to say. Yeah. And it was it was goofy, but I guess it showed some personality from the guys. So that was fun. It, it, uh, but it was neat. The part that I always enjoy is the Q&A and, yeah. and getting a yeah. little bit of personality from the guys. Absolutely. And uh, just on, on the game, though, Reggie Lawson was like, I don't know, he has a small jaw or something like that, but he, he was trying to talk. And he spit it into like the first row of people. It just it shot right out of his mouth. No, he had the thing in his mouth backwards. Oh, did okay. Yeah, bless his heart. He was trying like everybody else. They put it in their mouth, and it's like, okay, I can't move my lips. I'm gonna try to do this using the rest of my mouth. He was like his his mouth, his lips were working that thing. So it's like he was trying to talk through it. Anyway. It was cool as hell. Yeah. And, and then uh, so and Sam, just to give you guys a little insight, that Sam had. No breaking news, but there were some really good questions and some really good answers to mm-hmm. them, uh, which we'll go over in uh, in the next uh, next episode. But uh, God, let's let's get on with it. Uh, Tatis the Beast has, <laughs> dude. I you know, and, and here's the thing with every time he does something spectacular in in the Dominican League, is that expectation for me gets raised. It, it, yes, and the Padre fan of me goes, "Don't do that." Don't do that. Yeah, how can You're you going to be heartbroken. How can you not fall in love with the guy in that, that moment? Bottom of the ninth. Dude. Two runners on a tie game in a playoff game yeah. in that environment. Line drive, home run. Absolutely crushed it. He knew it right away. Yeah. It's like follow through, flip. And the bat went into orbit. And he, it did go into orbit because it never you never saw. There was no camera angle that was on Twitter uh, that showed the bat land. Yeah. Although it looked like it was dangerously going back to the other team's dugout. <laughs> the other team's dugout. <laughs> it's just... But once again, it's like, oh my God, it's... It was a center cut pitch. It looked like an off-speed pitch. Goes middle in. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, yeah, but the pitcher was a former major league pitcher. Okay. He had like five years of major league experience. Okay. Granted, he's been out of the league for, for a few years. Right. Uh, but this wasn't just some, you know, schlub who had never played pro ball. Right. This guy was a legit pitcher. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's going to punish mistake pitches, but that's what we want guys yeah. to do. Yeah. So, 
uh, it inspired me so much. I went on Gaslamp Ball and I wrote an article detailing the the bat flip and his trot around the bases and the video of it because there's so much to it there's the guys that like jumped up on the dugout and they're waving these flags around yeah yeah there was this old guy in the stands that was being like comforted like he was beside himself i'm wondering if he was an owner i was thinking he was an owner or maybe he just made a whole bunch of money on a wager or something and he was out of his mind i I just the whole environment. I'm fascinated by the whole uh, Latin baseball. Yeah, yeah. The the enthusiasm and, and all that. And and the and the I don't know. I thought it was the owner, perhaps. But you said it could have been someone who made a lot of money. Um, you know, <laughs> which is out of the realm of possibility in the Dominican League. Oh, there's a ton of gambling on all those games. Oh my god, it's huge business. Um, but it's just it was just fantastic to see. And uh, I was kind of you know this whole last week. I'm like oh, the round robin, real quick. The round robin tournament. How round is that robin in this tournament? They started playing like two weeks ago. Well, it's I think it's narrowed down to four teams, and then those teams have to play against each other. Toros, Lysi, uh, Estrellas, and I'm not sure. I was I was on yeah. their website the other day, but yeah. I'm not sure who all. Um, yeah, and then after that, there's some form of like an actual bracket that they play. Yeah, and then you'll see the LDM, LDOM or the the League Dominican League. Uh, Twitter handle show you the you know the standings mm-hmm. and they've played like ten games so yeah. and that's the playoffs it's like how many times I think he's they... played fifteen games in the playoffs because I was reading into it I was I was trying to dig up the stats and I had to go on their website and their their the way that they show the stats and everything is is hard to digest oh. a little bit <laughs> and you have to translate the page and then navigate but anyway. He's having. He's on fire. He's on fire. He's hit Fuego. a few triples. He's hit a couple of home runs. Yeah. St- stealing bases. He's getting on base a ton. Not hitting for great average, um, but that's what we can expect. Right. So we will need to temper our th- enthusiasm a little bit when he comes up because right now he's up against competition that is somewhere between like double A AA and triple A, from what I understand. Right. That 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 league right. is kind of in that range, um, and then he's going to play a chunk of the season, I presume, in triple A. Yeah. And he's probably going to light it up like Fran Mill did. Yeah. And then when you step up to the major leagues, there's going to be a big adjustment. So we're going to see these moments where he makes a dazzling play. He has a huge offensive game. He gets right. a big key thing. And you see the enthusiasm and everybody goes crazy. But then there are going to be games where he goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Maybe he'll boot a routine play because that's he makes a spectacular plays. I do hear that sometimes he does boot one that's right at him. or Right. Like, He's a very good defender. Yeah. People are becoming more convinced that he's going to be a better than average shortstop defensively. But still, he's 20. He just turned 20, what, a week ago? Can't even drink. No. Well, not here. Uh, not here. <laughs> Although, yeah, you, you see it on Instagram, you're like, how do you drink wine responsibly? And for me, it's like, wow. He's like, you know, you see him with a glass of wine, and he's at, I would presume, his dad's house, because that's a nice house. Uh-huh. overlooking the beach in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, His dad is the manager of the team. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I think that's where he lives in, during the, the – anyways. Uh, but, you know, you see him like having a red glass of wine, and it looks responsible. I don't mm-hmm. know why I need to say it's responsible, but, like, at 20 years old, I wasn't drinking responsibly. He puts a lot of stuff up on Instagram. Yeah. And he seems to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I'm sure he – there are people that are in his ear about be careful what you put up. Make yeah. sure that everything is responsible and appropriate. So, yeah, if he's out, like, fishing or I th- think I saw one where he's had a machete. He's out, like, chopping down weeds or something like that. Riding the four tracks or the, yeah. the ATVs. Yeah. In the beginning, he was riding horses. Yeah. God. 
He's living the life. He's 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 the savior. <laughs> I, I would love to watch him. Really, I just love to watch him be inter- introduced. You know, opening day, and have him come out on that horse that he rides in the Dominican Republic uh, in this long white robe. You know, with this halo. That sounds like something out of one of these That's romance novels. Fantasy covers. camp. But I'm getting way, way ahead of myself. But the day that he comes up, I will be at that game. Oh, yeah. Whether I'm calling in sick. I'm going to be. Because we're season ticket holders, yeah. so I've got like a half season. Whether it's whether I am have that, I will get that ticket. Yeah. That day, I'll take the day off. If it's yeah. a day game, whatever it is, yeah. I've got to be there when he comes up. Speaking of taking time off, uh, side note, my schedule should be changing here in the next few weeks. We just hired the staff. Where I'm training uh, this person to to uh, to close in, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna come back down to earth. Oh, good. So and this ten to this two to two 10. to ten thirty, getting out at eleven o'clock, getting oh, home man. at eleven thirty, you know, sleeping. You know, my uh, Liddy, God bless her, has like her second husband. I've told her she can have, <laughs> and uh, bless her heart, she hasn't really done gone through with that. But it's like <laughs> it's tough. I'm a morning guy. I, I get up early. I love yeah. doing all my stuff before eleven o'clock. Um, but my schedule will be changing, so we will be able to talk a lot more often. And yeah, because we've been have a life. limited to Sundays and Mondays. And with other stuff that we have going on, it seems like oftentimes it's hard to get together. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about that later because I just remembered I was told to do that with you and Angela. Oh, okay. Uh, but let's uh, let's get into the business. Leading yeah. off here, at, uh, Amarillo Sod Poodles have released a statement uh, on the ongoing issue with the... With the uh, the sod poodle's name, so you had the one guy, and we'll I'll read this here in a second. Uh, a guy that when they were announcing the finalists for the names, sought a trademark for the sod poodle, started selling sod poodle shirts, uh, and then allegedly you know giving it to to charity. We don't know anything about that, but he took the name, applied for the trademark, and just recently the Emerald sod poodles, and I'll read the statement here in just a second, uh, filed an injunction. Okay. To get the name, to get the rights for Sod Poodles. And this is what it reads. This is from the uh, Amarillo Sod Poodles. Panhandle Baseball Club, Inc., owners of the Amarillo Sod Poodles AA baseball team, filed a request for an injunction against Stone Ranch and Dusty Green on December 22nd, or December 26, excuse me, 2018, and was granted a temporary restraining order on January 2nd, 2019. Stone Ranch and Mr. Green can no longer sell or distribute Sod Poodle's clothing. Despite Mr. Green's statements on this matter, he does not have trademark rights in the name Sod Poodles. In reality, Mr. Green only has a pending trademark application with no rights to the name Sod Poodles. It is Sod. Uh, it is Panhandle Baseball's position that Mr. Green's trademark application was filed fraudulently, fraudulently, and to create a false association with the new Amarillo baseball team. That's interesting. Yeah. So- I, I guess we'll really never know what the guy's motives were. were. I mean, obviously, it's to make some money to try to you know, steal business away from the well, franchise. He, he did. He he uh, he he put it on a very long uh, Facebook post on why. Mm-hmm. And I will go further into it. Let me continue reading this, and it kind of explains it a little bit. But and we'll go into it a little bit after. Mr. Green's current use of the name Sod Poodles on T-shirts is merely ornamental use and does not grant him or his company any trademark rights. Therefore, he is using the name Sod Poodles for no other reason than to harass Panhandle Baseball and to confuse fans and consumers as to the source of the clothing he is currently selling. Amarillo and the country have embraced the Sod Poodles name, logos, and team. 
We are not going to allow Mr. Green to take away such a treasured name from this community just because Mr. Green does not like the name. I love the name. I love the name, and the community loves the name, but he, I think he went for the trademark because uh, he didn't like the name. And then he goes further in detail in his Facebook post. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to get into controversy. Just This is background. This is what's kind of going on with this. Uh, we're not breaking any news here. Um, but he basically said it didn't. the name was supposed to come from someone in the community, and the name Sod Poodles did not come from someone in the community. Prairie Dog did. But there's already been a Prairie Dog team in, in the league, I think. And Prairie Dogs, is it's been done before. So it's not exciting. It's like, oh, the Prairie Dogs. So they found the name Sod Poodle, I guess, somewhere back in the annals of pioneer literature or whatever. That's So he got pissed, filed for the name so they couldn't have it and couldn't use it. And so he's been selling whole, shirts ever since. The whole thing is because he has some old beef. He's got an axe to grind because he's not happy with how they selected the name. Dude, that's that's some motivated anger. That is. That's, Are, some, that's some petty stuff. I just when I get mad, I just yell at the TV or <laughs> or tweet about it. Jeez. Yeah. Just, just get over it. Um <clears throat> Okay. In order to protect its sod poodle's trademark, the Panhandle of Baseball had no choice but to ask the court to grant an injunction to stop Mr. Green's unauthorized and illegal use of the name Sod Poodles. According to Mr. Green's statement on December twentieth, he planned to donate profits from the sale of the t shirts to a local charity. To ensure that the community is the ultimate beneficiary of, the, of this situation, Panhandle Baseball will make a $5,000 donation to an Amarillo charity. This team, our name, and baseball are all about excitement and fun. Amarillo Sod Poodles Baseball is all about providing a great experience for our community to enjoy baseball in a wholesome setting so that families can create their own memories for years to come. Panhandle Baseball looks forward to putting this unfortunate situation to rest and focus on bringing professional baseball to Amarillo in April 2019. So, friend of the podcast, Tony Enzer, you know, he actually, during his, um, let me back up, during that Facebook post from Green, he cited our podcast that we had Tony on. Really? Yeah. I and, guess we know that we have a listener. Well, that's good, you know, <laughs> in Amarillo. Yeah. Uh, other than other than the uh, lovely folks over at Amarillo Sod Poodles. Uh-huh. Um, so I just wanted to say that this is, you know, I, I feel we side with the, with the, with the baseball team. Uh, those of you out there that hear this can debate on any of this kind of stuff. I just want to put that out there. Uh, they're friends of ours. Mm-hmm. It's a minor league podcast. It's a minor league statement from the minor league team mm-hmm. and mic drop. That's a, that's a really well-written um, statement. Yeah. And their marketing group has done a great job so far. Yeah. I mean, they've had a lot of fun with the name. They've come up with some cool logos. Uh, you're wearing your Sod Poodle shirt right now. What? I finally got my hat the other day. And they, if there's anybody out there that hasn't bought the Sod Poodle stuff, any of our listeners, what the, the, the packaging is really cool. They always include a red bandana. Yeah, got the red it's bandana. It's like the traditional pattern, but it's got the Sod Poodles logo on it. And they put it in a box that looks like a crate with holes all over it. And it says caution live animals. So it's like a, like an animal carrier. Yeah. Like they sent you an actual prairie dog. That, that's cool. It's very cool. That's yeah. cool. And, and well, and just a couple of weeks back, and we should have said something about this last episode when we had Gabe on, uh, was the Amarillo saw those guys, Shane. And uh, I cannot remember. And I apologize profusely for the two, uh, women that were with him. They're also part of the, uh, content. Oh, the folks that you met. Yeah. Uh, they had a, they came out here to San Diego and had a little, um, scavenger hunt and we met them at the Coronado Brewing 
And I guess, and I talked to someone else uh, at FanFest that had found the hat. Yeah, Rob Burden. Right, right. They were in line with us, right? Yeah. And they just found the hat. We found the guys. I mean, we found Shane and the, and, and the team. And we sat and talked to him for a while. We actually ended up talking a little bit about the uh, about the incident with that. Um, and it was cool. You know, it's just a, a way to bring awareness and support and kind of bring some excitement into the city by having that. And that's a fantastic way to get some recognition. At the very mm-hmm. least, get some recognition and, and get some of the fan base that are as uh, um, hardcore as we are. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, moving on, big big things. We had we have a lot to talk about. Oh, so yeah. we just so, so the Padres just set their affiliate coaching staff. Yeah, there were some nice. There weren't there weren't any huge changes. No, there were some nice surprises. I I think what started this whole domino thing is that Rod Barajas was brought up to be the bench coach. Um, you know, Mark McGuire decided to step up, step away, and uh, and so then Rod Barajas is the bench coach. And that made a void in El Paso. Okay. So they promoted Edwin Rodriguez, who was the manager of the Lake Elsinore Storm, the single yeah. A, advanced single A Lake yeah. Elsinore Storm. Now he's going to be the manager in El Paso. So Deservedly the, so. Oh, yeah. And he's got a huge resume. I mean, huge resume. Look him up on, on Wikipedia and look at all the stuff that he's done. He managed the Marlins at one time. Yeah. He's ran a baseball development academy in Puerto Rico for, I think, 20 years now. Um, he's managed up and down the minors, East Coast, West Coast. He's got a huge amount of experience. Yeah. So I thought that was a huge hire when they brought him in a couple of years ago. Um, and now that he's going to El Paso, I, I like that he's continuing to work with the same group of kids that are filtering up. Right. So that, that adds some continuity. Just like having Barajas in the dugout yeah. at Petco, now yeah. the guys that were under him for the last couple of years, yeah. now they've got that familiar voice. I, I get the impression that Rod Barajas is a bit of a and he's a jovial guy. He's he's charismatic, but he also seems like a bit of a hard ass. Like if somebody's out of line, he seems like the type of guy that he's going to set somebody aside and say, "Listen, this is how it's done." Dude, he's a catcher, of course. He is a hard yeah. ass, chunky guy. So McGuire kind of struck me as the same way, but a little bit different. I right. can see Barajas having kind of the immediate respect of everybody when he walks in the door. Right, almost a play. Think of that just for a second. You know, the Mark McGuire, you, you, you're like, watch well, Mark McGuire. Yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to listen to the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barajas is like, I better, you know, it's like he's a player's coach. Yeah. You know, and, and I, that's just the way I feel about it. The way you were kind of explaining it is like, yeah, McGuire played, you know, for, for 15 years, had all the home runs, power hitter, whatever. But in my mind, it elevates McGuire to like this almost legend in his own time kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, am I explaining that correctly? Yeah. And Brahas is like, he was a catcher for, for 10, 12, 13, 14 years oh, or yeah, whatever. And he spent a bunch of time in the minors too. And, and so there's that player's mindset, the player's kind of thought process where they can maybe relate to him a little bit better. Yeah. Or does there maybe a little bit of disconnect with, with McGuire? Then that's just I my thinking. That. You know I mean, what I mean? McGuire walked into the league as rookie of the year. And he was a stud from the moment he set foot on the right. on the dirt. Where Barajas, he's he was kind of a journeyman. Yeah. So he paid his dues, I guess you could say. So anyway, so Barajas is up to MLB. Edwin Rodriguez is now in El Paso. Uh, Philip Wellman and pretty much his entire staff that were in um, in San Antonio went to Amarillo. Yeah. So the Double A staff remains. Pretty much intact. Freddie Flores came up from uh, Lake Elsinore to be their fielding coach. Okay. So, okay. 
uh, Tony Tarasco is taking the job in Lake Elsinore. And Tony Tarasco, he was a roving outfielder and base running coach. When I went up there last year, uh, they had a social day, social okay. media day, and we went up there we were on the field before the game. Uh, me and Angela and Tom Hughes and a few other people. Um, and Tony Tarasco was out there. We saw him, and I because I asked Edwin Rodriguez. He was chatting to us. Really? And so I asked, I said, that guy looks familiar. Who is that? Yeah, that's Tony Tarasco, former Major League ball player. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be their outfielder and base running. He's going to be the manager for the Lake Elsinore Storm. He was outfield and base running coach. Uh, Felipe Blanco is a fielding coach. He was in Tri-Cities. Um, in Fort Wayne, no significant changes. Anthony Terrer, uh, Contreras is the manager again. Bert Hooten is the pitching staff. Um, Tri-Cities, Mike McCoy is still the manager there. Second year, yeah. Yeah. And then rookie level, Aaron Levine and Vinny Lopez return as managers of the two teams in Peoria. Dominican Miguel Del Castillo returns as manager in the academy. Um, and so there's there. I like that there's a lot of continuity. Yeah. A lot of stability among the coaches. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a lot of turnover with the coaching staff at the major league level. It seems like the first base coach, the outfield coordinator, the infield coordinator, those jobs have been shuffling around a lot. The hitting coach. Yeah, I mean, well, the hitting coach is the <laughs> you know, Craig Elson says it, but everyone says it's like, you're the drummer for Spinal Tap, right? You're, yeah, you're, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like that. But stability, Darren Balsley has been the pitching coach as long as I can remember. Yeah. And he's because he's so dang good at what he does. Yeah. And they have a lot of guys in the minors that are really good at what they do. Yeah. And so now as these players are moving up, these managers and coaches are moving up with them. And hopefully this means that when those guys transition to the majors, we're going to see a little bit more success and not as much of this stumbling on the door. Right. And, and, the, and the coaches know. Like last year was the big step up. Everyone, I think every hitting coach moved up a notch last year. Before the beginning of last year's season, everyone moved up a notch, and most of the you know minority guys moved up a notch. So there's some continuity of coaching. There's some continuity of philosophy. There's some familiarity. There, everyone's like, okay, I, that's coach. I, I can listen to him. A, I know how to talk to you and get through you. And and so I I I I can see where there would be not too many movements here. Mm -hmm. Too oh, sorry, too much movement. But definitely, I like the continuity. I like. Even, you know, bringing Tony in, he was a roving guy, so he knows. Jason Rosario is in Lake Elsinore next year. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have an out, you're a roving outfield coach that's going to know the tendencies of Jason Rosario, you know, Jorge Ona, and any of the other guys that come up, the Podorskis, the, uh, the Suwinskis, maybe hopefully sometime during the season. Tirso. Yeah, you know, Tirso. So yeah, he'll know those guys. And it's not, you know, it's not kind of like, I'm just talking about the Major League Club for a second. It's not... Another hitting coach with trying to get through to major league hitters, mm -hmm. um, you know, and eventually I wouldn't be surprised if, if our hitting coach in the major leagues doesn't come from, from you know, from one of the minor, like Burkhart. Yeah. 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 Morgan Burkhart Morgan. has done a, a great, well, Morgan and Lance Burkhart both work in the yeah. Padres organization. Yeah, so you know, when we were talking about Barajas, one thing that came to mind is that if if a player on the major league team is unhappy about maybe some drills that they're being asked to do yeah. or something like that, maybe they can go and talk to Burkhart because they're not going to be happy with the manager because right. he's the one that's asking them to do it. So then right. he, they can go over to Barajas and go, look, he's he's busting my balls here. Yeah, this is ridiculous. We're in September doing relay drills. You do comms and rather it, than you rather than complaining about it on a live feed <laughs> while playing Fortnite. But anyway, yeah, and we yeah we digress to the major league club. So coming up in a few minutes, we have uh, Jack Sawinski. Yeah, Jack Sawinski is kind enough to join us here on the show, and that's pretty great because uh, 
I talked to before Sam Guinea went on yesterday. I, I I introduced myself. I told them who I was, who what we do, um, kind of bashfully and kind of like you know I, I got a got a minor league podcast. Um, I didn't say it like that, but I'm like, hey, I got a minor league podcast, and I pointed it over to you, and Roy was in his uh, storm gear, and uh, I told him who we introduced, you know, who we talked to before, who we're talking to tomorrow or tomorrow, which is today. And uh, when he went up to talk, you know, he mentioned Jack, and he mentioned he mentioned being in the, on a road trip, you know, in between teams in the Texas League, listening to a Padres minor league podcast, and ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know if it was ours. I don't know if there's another Padres minor league podcast. All you guys do talk. Right. All you guys do talk about the minor leagues, but, you know, I'm going to grab a little ownership of that yeah. for us. Um, it was cool as hell to have him hear that. If it would have been any podcast, if I was going to do a Padres podcast, I would have been like, yes, we're, you know, we're being listened to. Yeah. Um, even if it was like the 5.5 or the Kept Faith guys or, mm-hmm. you know, a bluntly Padres. I want to introduce Sam Guinea to Bluntly Padres because they're just – doesn't matter what they do during the podcast. Those guys talk about baseball, and they're smart, and they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you hear Bluntly Padres, oh, they're going to get stoned and go, hedges, bro. No, these guys, all the podcasts that we have here in San Diego, I think, are excellent. Yeah. You know, and in and, and varying degrees of covering the team, you know, with – with the Kept Faith, kind of just keeping it on the whole, you know, the whole part of the team. Uh, intelligence kind of focuses on the business side of it a little bit more, and or they get into analytics and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Which I can listen to that for a while, but it's it's kind of like listening to uh, it, it's really in depth, and my mind just doesn't work that in depth. Like I'm in food <laughs> service, and, I, and, and bless HJ and and Marver with those guys for what they do. That's what they do for and, a living. And Chammer. Right, yeah, and Chamner and, and uh, Woe Doctor. And that's what they do for a living, so that's the part of the team that they kind of focus on. Mm-hmm. And well, because we all do this as a hobby. Right. Nobody's getting paid for this. Right. Nobody's got you know, sponsorships and commercials and whatever. No. But uh, it's still, it's neat to know that people within the Padres organization are keeping yeah. a pulse on what's going on yeah. on the social media side, yeah. and they, they're, they're curious to know what we think as fans yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and I talked a little bit with Wayne. Yes. Actually, I talked a lot about Wayne and Padres Geekster. And I know we're going back to the whole fan fest thing. Um, the first question she had was like, is there going to be a pricing thing? And you know, Wayne, Wayne talked about it and, mm-hmm. and Wayne, you know, I, I, I thought just for a second there, he might've been a little bit, a little tap dancing. He's um, really good at sidestepping right. around and, questions. He uses the market research a lot to back up, what decisions they right. make. Um, and I have my disagreements on things at times, but I've had conversations with him. He, he does not run and hide. I, right. I appreciate that about Wayne. If somebody's out there and they're saying, I have an issue, he'll go find that person. He'll yeah. reach out because he DM'd me and said, hey, I saw that you were critical about something on a Twitter thread. What's going on? And we wound up having a phone conversation right. about a bunch of things. Um, and I, I don't think I was able to sway him over to my side and he wasn't able to sway me over to his side, but it's right. at least nice to know that we can shake hands and be friendly about it. And, and he is genuinely interested in knowing what people, you know, what our opinions are. Right. And, and we don't know any of the money side of it. And, uh, you know, that's for the intelligence guys to look at and to go really deeper in, mm-hmm. excuse me, I don't have a burp button on this thing, <laughs> although I should, I just had some fizzy water. Um, anyways, I, I digress, you guys. I, I just wanted to mention that, and um, 
it was a good conversation I had with him because I just wanted to talk about uh, the, us. I love talking about myself. Well, I, I'm incredibly flattered that Sam flipped on our podcast and listened to us. That uh, is so cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was. So anyways, that's about all we got for this half of the segment. Um, we'll be right back with Jack Sawinski. Jack Sawinski, drafted in the 15th round of the 2016 at a Taft High School in Chicago, Jack was thrown right into full season ball after a quick 30-game stint in the Rookie League his draft year. At 18, playing against much older competition, Jack took time to adjust and, after a slow first half, finished with a respectable 227, 319, 348 slash in his first season. Last year, Jack began to find himself, shedding 60Ks off last year's totals and hit 10 bombs, and finished with an improved 255, 324, 408 slash, all the while playing stellar defense in all three outfield positions and he joins us here on the podcast. Jack, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Good. Thank you so much for coming on. Before we get going to the interview, so we were at Padres Fan Fest yesterday, and uh, Sam was on. Sam was like, talk to the talk to the fans. Sam Gini. Sam Gini. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, and he mentioned you. Yeah. One of the questions somebody asked was like, who you know the work that people put in on the offseason, who is impressing you in particular right now? And he. He brought your name up, so he's impressed with the work you've been putting in. Awesome. That's good. That's great to hear. So do those guys check in with you on a regular basis? How does that work? Yeah, it is It is a pretty regular basis. Um, a few of them have came out. Riley Westman has been out to see me. Uh, um, hitting guys have came out here, um, so we've gotten some of that done. But And then I'll get regular calls from our, our trainers, our strength guys, and we'll uh, – Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That and that's that's great that they continue to to see your progress and see how hard you're working. Yeah. So right, yeah. Westman. He's a catching coordinator, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But he works with people on conditioning and and hitting and other stuff too. Yeah, I mean he he does it all actually. I mean, but uh, I think it works out really well because his his wife's family is actually from Elk Grove, Illinois, and that's like. 15 minutes from where I'm working out. <laughs> so the so, boss is in your neighborhood. Yeah, it works out. It works out perfectly. So whenever he's in town visiting them, he'll come visit me. You know, uh, we'll work out together. He'll see what I'm up to. We'll grab some lunch, hang out for a bit. Well, fantastic. So, hey, so you grew up a Northsider. Are you a Cubs fan? Uh, <laughs> I grew up a Sox fan. Okay. How, does that, how does that happen? Because I thought it was kind of a territorial thing. Yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, I'm only 10 minutes from Wrigley, but, you know, I was growing up. I started really getting into baseball around that time when the uh, 05 White Sox were around. Um, I think, I mean, that team just kind of, you know. Jeff Bum, Burley. God, who, I can't think of the third baseman. Just been the first. Um, Conurco. Paul Conurco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Paul Canerco was that was my guy. That was that was my number one dude. Ah, favorite player. Awesome. Still got some uh, some '05 World Series pictures of him hanging up in my room. So yeah, yeah. he was my he was my guy. Are you got an intro, Are you in your your room right now? I see on the wall behind you. You got your name. No, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm in. I'm in my basement. This is just like a good spot. Um, yeah, my parents did this actually. They kind of put up like I mean. Just like a couple of awards. Uh, this is from senior night in high school. Um, nice. 
Letterman stuff, just other baseball stuff. Uh, the W, the, the Cubs flag, and then yeah, and then I got that actually at the World Series parade in 2016, and then uh, high school jersey over there. So kind of like a little, and on the other wall is just my sister's stuff. Okay, I was, was going to ask because it seems like the Jack show on that wall. So I'm glad that your sister's <laughs> getting getting equal. Yeah, no. Oh yeah, no. It goes all the way down that way, and then mine goes down that way a little bit. Is there, wow. any, is there any ping pong, any pool tables down there? Or? Uh, no, it's just uh, here. Let me flip this. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know why we, I don't know why we need to know this stuff. Just <laughs> at the table, but um, just like to hang out down here. This is my spot. We're here. Nice. This is where I'm chilling. I like to relax. Um, my dad put in Cubs carpet. And socks carpet over there. Okay. Uh, so there is a Cubs fan mm-hmm. in your family. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, parents, parents, uh, Cubs fans, sister Cubs fans. Uh, I think it's more, just more fans of baseball, more baseball fans. I mean, the I mean, the Cubs socks thing, it's not like if you like the socks, you got to hate the Cubs or like or the other way around. I mean, it's not super, nothing crazy. No, when one of those teams wins, it's good for Chicago, right? So it's good for everybody. Absolutely. So, hey, so Kernerka was your favorite player. So, let's, your senior year of high school, I read somewhere where you played like 100 games your senior year? Senior year, yeah. I mean, I was playing a lot of games then, you know, going from, I mean, high school games, uh, summer league games, and then I, just um, pre-draft workouts in between when I could get there. So I was going, you know, I went to, I was in Texas. I did a couple pre-draft. I went to Cincinnati to do some. Um, so I was, I was definitely pretty busy come that springtime all the way up until the, even after the draft, still playing. Wow. So were the, um, so so playing in the showcase, were you going to scout, were you, going to, were you playing in the showcases, or were you, you know, are you going to work out with scouts? Yeah, um, I did. So I played with uh, a national team my junior and senior year in the fall. Okay. We went down to Jupiter for the WWBA and kind of like the big scouting tournament with the colleges and the pro guys. And that's kind of that's kind of what got me on the map. And then that allowed me to, from there, t- Talk to more schools, and once I committed, uh, talk to more pro guys, and then after that, I did the area code games. Um, other than that, I mean, the national showcase, it was just like area code and Jupiter, but besides that, I mean, it wasn't wasn't too crazy. So, did you, uh, were there, was it tough juggling that schedule? Were you playing for multiple teams at a time? Did that ever become a problem? Um. It was never a problem. It was, I mean, it was a lot of games, but I mean, at that point, like playing, like um, getting everything, like leading up to the draft, just playing all those games, like my senior year. And then after my senior year ended, started um, like with my travel team for that amount of time. And it was really exciting at that time. So I wasn't really too concerned that I was playing too many games. I was just happy to be playing. (laughs) Oh yeah, I love baseball. So you committed to IU when you signed. Uh, did you have a full ride there, or were you going to go there as a walk-on, or how was that going to work? Um, 
it was like two thirds. I was gonna go there. I was gonna get about two thirds. Um, I just picked IU because I mean, after like after after everything I received like offer wise from the schools, I just thought you know the mix of like the scholarship and their team, what I'm looking for in a school. I mean, it, that that was the best. That would have been the best opportunity for me to go there. Did you want to be? A, did you have an idea what you wanted to major in before you went to pro ball? No, I had no idea. I was just that was just going for base. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's okay. It took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. <laughs> so let's talk about when you get drafted. Did you know the Padres were going to draft you? Were they on your radar? Um, so yeah, they they were one of the teams that came to a lot of my games. They sent out multiple guys. Uh, we would talk and we would text and. When it came came down to it, you know, a week, two weeks before the draft, I was talking to, like, the Padres, and then I was talking to the Dodgers, and I was talking to the Reds, and it was kind of coming down, like, between those three teams, and I had a feeling it was going to be some one of those three teams as we got closer. Did you have a preference, or did the Padres come with an offer that was a little bit better than, than the Reds or Dodgers? Uh, yeah, we kind of... The Padres were more willing to, you know, kind of like talk to me and we were able to go back and forth a little bit and like figure out what it would take for me to actually go and go and sign. So you used to do a lot of pitching, right? Did, were yeah. any teams interested in you as a pitcher or were you pitching in any of your showcases? Um, I pitched travel ball, high school ball. Um, I would have been – not a starting pitcher at IU, but they wanted, they would have had me throw some innings. Um, not, I wasn't getting scouted as a pitcher in the draft, though. Now you got drafted with your bat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't hit if you're pitching. Yeah, no. Hey, I, I don't see on your stat lines, it doesn't look like you had an opportunity to pitch uh, as a pro. Uh, has, has anybody ever kind of asked you about that? To Anthony's uh-huh. like, hey, just in case. <laughs> no, I never – I was never that guy. I mean, we had a few position guys my first year and this past year to kind of go in when we were uh, not doing so well, and those guys kind of – they did pretty well. I mean, at that point, it's like you just got to get through get through the game and you got to need someone to eat up those innings. I wasn't – no, I wasn't that guy. I was in the <laughs> – I was yeah, an outfield. Like rock, paper, scissors. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. It, it, it never occurred to me. So they just changed the rules. So there's the innings. The, you know, they start putting the runners on base to prevent super long games. Right. So we're probably not going to see as much of that in the minors because you don't yeah. see like 20 inning games anymore. No. So I think yeah. – go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, it's just with that, with that new runner on second. Well, I mean, I think the longest game we played this year was like 13 innings. But I mean, even with that, even with that guy on second base, things start going pretty quick because you know, I mean, they're either gonna try and drive him in early, bunt him over, so you get that out right, and then I mean, it just goes pretty quick from there. So as a player, what do you feel about that kind of rule? I know the minor leagues are for development, and that's kind of what they—they they don't want pitchers to go deep into games and have to yeah. like, rely on all that. What do you, as a player, feel about that, or do you care not? Um, it has its pros and cons, you know. Definitely after. Nine innings, you're already playing three, three and a half hours, and then if you play another two, three, four, however many, that could go on for a while. But um, I like the fact that 
right away. Once that inning starts, you know, like the pressure's on the pitcher, the pressure's on the hitter, you know, the runner on second base, you got to really focus. Uh, you got to either see the bunt down, make a good read, depending what the hitter does, watch for balls in the dirt. Uh, I mean, it, some places might, you know, the atmosphere might get a little loud, like in Fort Wayne with all those people. Game on the line, you know, there's a lot of variables, and I think uh, it's a good way to practice having that pressure on you. Yeah. I, I guess you get a little bit – do you work on bunting more, do you think, because of this? Um, I wouldn't say an extra amount. Um, I do work on bunting regularly, um, not, not more because of it. Interesting. I was just thinking maybe because the teams know that these situations are going to come up. Right. Yeah. So you've got to be aware of all the, cause it, it, it's, sorry, we're going off the map, but my impression is it's become kind of formulaic. You put that runner on second base it's pretty clear that they're going to walk the first guy, so then you've got force outs, and then yeah. you, you try to bump the guy over. It's You almost kind of know how things are going to play out. It's just a matter of getting everybody to make their plays. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I think no. they should just say, whatever, 13 innings max and let the game end in a tie or something like that. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. but Because I've been at like a 17-inning minor league game, and it's just – it's brutal. And those guys are wearing themselves out, and it's it's dumb. And then you guys have to get in a bus and travel to the next place. Yeah. It's, yeah. It sucks. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot. So let's talk about draft day. Where, uh, where were you on draft day? So when – it was draft day. So it went Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was the order of the draft. Um what they were telling me was kind of, you know, keep my phone on me, maybe be prepared for a Friday call, you know, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth around. And that was my prom, actually. So um, I was at the prom, you know, I was, at, I was at prom and I was checking my phone and checking my phone throughout the whole night, kind of just like expecting something, expecting something cool to happen. Nothing happened. Got a little bummed out. But the next day... Um, I hope other cool stuff was going on. Right, well, like man. yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't totally ruined. No, yeah, uh, but the next day on Saturday when I got the call, I was uh, actually heading up to the Wisconsin Dells with a couple of my buddies. We were going to celebrate prom, and I got the ball in the car. So that was a cool moment. That's cool that you were with a couple of your friends. Everybody gets to celebrate yeah. with you. Yeah, a couple, couple of my teammates, a couple of my teammates. Did anybody else on your team get drafted? Uh, no, we had a couple guys go and play college ball, but um, I was the only one to get drafted. But what about with like the the area code games and all, all those showcases? Have you kept in touch with any of the guys that you played with back then? Um, yeah, there's a there's a handful of guys who um, who I became pretty close with. Um, couple guys in the pros who were from like the Wisconsin area. Uh, like me and I played with. Ben Rortbread and Gavin Lux. I know they get drafted the same year. Yeah, so we played uh, together for a little bit, and then there's a couple other guys here and there. We'll talk a little bit. Right on. So 2018 was your second season. Did you you find yourself a little more prepared this last year? Yeah, um, definitely more prepared going in after getting that first one under my belt. Yeah, that first one was kind of like, learning on the go, you know, pick it up as you go. And then going into this past year, you're like, all right, I know what's happening. I know what's going on. 
I can kind of be prepared now. I know what I need to do as a player to get ready to go and play these games. So in Fort Wayne, um, yeah, I know in some cities they've got like host families and stuff, and other places they put the guys up in, they find apartments and stuff. Uh, what did they do for you in Fort Wayne? Where'd you live? What was that like? We were in, we were in apartments, so we had a two bed, two bath between four guys. Who were your roommates? Uh, Jalen Washington, Luis Camposano, and Mackenzie Gore. Uh, nice. Okay, who snores the loudest? <laughs> <laughs> That's lightning round uh, stuff. <laughs> I can't remember. I think, I mean, I think they all did. I, right. I, I think we all did, probably. I don't know. I was told that I snore pretty loud, you know, but. That's not your problem. Right. Yeah, right? I'm asleep. Hey, so you made some adjustments with your leg kick, uh, and it showed some results in the second half of the season. What, what other adjustments did you make to have that really good second half? Um, Just working with. Uh, Johnny Matthews and AC, you know, talking um, like, all right, I got to get out. I, I got to make some adjustments here. I need to get out of this rut. And we just kind of worked on um, that approach of being ready every pitch. Um, and that just kind of what worked for me. I would tell myself, you know, this is going to be it right here. Like, I'm ready to go. I don't want to, I don't want to be late or anything. I just got to be ready, anticipate it. And that's kind of what helped me get going nice yeah you lowered your strikeouts but your walks went down uh is that more of an uh, is that an aggressive approach or is that adjustments at the plate or is that work yeah that no that that definitely comes that definitely comes with the aggressiveness so in that um second half i was definitely more of uh just trying to be you know from that first you know if if it's a little county he's throwing a Fastball in my zone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush it, and that's just like the, that's just the mentality that I took from that second half, and I rolled with it, and it was working, and I just kept building off that. Speaking of crushing it, you had nine bombs in your first year, dude. Right out of high school, you hit nine bombs, and then hit ten the next year. Is that part of your? Is that part of your game? Is power part of your game? Or are you more like um, You know, definitely not. My first thought isn't to go up there and be super powerful, but I do have the ability to, you know, put balls in the gap, put them to the fence, um, and then just I think I think just as I get older, I'll get stronger, and you know the power will come, and it's not something I really need to like think about right now because it, it it'll come. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about launch angle and these kinds of things. Um, do, do you look at data? Do you work with anybody that gives you, like, breakdown about your batted ball profiles? And is that something that you think about in your mechanics? Do you make adjustments to try to help with that? Um, so in the offseason at my facility, we do have the hit tracks machine. So we're able to see, you know, uh, launch angle, the depth of where you're hitting. So we're able to go over all of that. Um, in season, I don't think it, it would help me very much to kind of get caught up in that stuff because I mean I don't want to go up to the plate thinking about my launch angle you know I don't want to be trying to that's just not, that's not what I should be thinking about when I'm when I'm going up to up to the plate was it Ty Cobb that says you don't think when you hit or was that Yogi Berra <laughs> yeah I don't um, know. but you talk about depth of hitting that'd be I'm gonna go off on a tangent right here but there's uh, of course, you know, guy. you know Tony Gwynn and his relationship with the Padres and his place in all of our hearts. And there's a video of him talking about his T work 
and and working with pitches in different locations, how the pitch away he moves the tee back because he knows that he needs to get that he needs to go yeah. the away with it. And then he slowly works that tee forward until he's got the pitch that's inside that he's really trying to pull. Um, I don't know, this isn't a question for you or anything like that. That just made me think of that that video. Do yeah, I, I, I actually saw a video that it was was that was that on Twitter? I saw a video just yeah. like that on Twitter of him explaining that, and I yeah. think yeah, I think that was a really cool video. Do you do a lot of hitting tee work a lot yourself? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, my routine definitely starts on the tee. Um, different couple tee routines, kind of. That's what kind of will get me started for the day. Nice. Well, speaking of you know the hitting and working at your facility, uh, you have had the same hitting coach since you were nine. Yeah, so when I started, I started with the my travel team, the Illinois Indians, when I was eight or nine years old, and I was with them all the way until I went to Arizona. But, yeah, my, my one coach, he was with every time me and my team moved up in each group, he stayed with us. So he was one of the main reasons, you know, um, he helped me get to where I am. And then, so he still works at Arkansas, so the same place I work at, out at in the offseason we. We'll go back and forth about hitting stuff uh, a bunch. He's a great guy. Yeah, we were just talking about Tony Gwynn, and you showed us you got the Jack Sawinski shrine behind you. I thought I'd show you we're in we're in my what we call our clubhouse, and I've got my little Tony Gwynn shrine. Oh, that's awesome! Up, up <laughs> yeah. on the wall here. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. So anyway, I don't so have that. <laughs> in in the off season, have you come up with a routine? Do you do? Are you doing kind of the same stuff this yeah. year that you did last year? Or are you switching it up? Um, are you working with the same people, different people? Yeah, I am working with the same people. Um, we have a great facility, so um, we have four cages, two more that pull out, a bullpen, um, a sixty yard running track, full weight room, and then about. 45, 50 yards of open turf and like a full football field wide. So on one in that weight room, they have uh, a company called TNP and they take care. I work with them on speed, strength, power, quickness. Um, after that, and I'll go take care of baseball stuff in the back. I'll hit, I'll throw, do some defense stuff. So it's really good. I get everything done. Did, did the team give you any suggestions on things to work with, any particular, like, muscle groups or, or skills or anything like that to work on the offseason? Um, they've seen – this is my third year with the, the same strength guys. They've seen what we do, um, and they like it a lot. Um, we cover – I mean, we cover, we cover it all. We're lifting, we're running, we're doing sprint mechanics, getting faster, being more efficient, and then – not just in the weight room throwing weights around, but actually, you know, doing explosive things, um, contrast lifts, isometrics. So it's a it's a lot of different things. And whenever uh, Riley comes, they all get checked up on. Um, they they like it a lot. What? So with the strength and conditioning, do you do a lot of stretching, a lot of flexibility, and ease of movement there? Yeah. So we do. Um, the biggest thing we do is actually like hip mobility actually so we'll take uh hips hips glutes uh just really getting those like fired up before we work out and then um getting that mobility because you know a lot of uh that hitting is going to come from that area and that core the hips right from that area so we do we focus on that a lot so uh 
what teammates or coaches do you think have been the most fun to work with? And you've because you've been through a couple of seasons now. You've been through to some coaching staffs, uh, and then also the guys you've been working with in the off season. Who have you really enjoyed so far? Um. So when I first went out there, um, I was with Doug Banks in the AZL, and then I was with him in Fort Wayne, and he's a cool guy. Me and him get along really well. Uh, I like to spend time with him, you know. And then I think Doug with Banks him, was in Lake Elsinore last year. He was in Lake Elsinore, yeah. And then uh, been with AC. I mean, from my first instructs, first full season, second full season, uh, we've become really close. He's been really great for me, great with me. Um, same thing with Johnny Matthews. Uh, I got to know him really well this year. Um, and then back in Arizona, um, spent a lot of time with Tony Tarasco, you know, doing outfield stuff. Um, those guys are some good guys over there. Yeah, we, we just talked about earlier, uh, Tony Tarasco was just named the manager at Lake Elsinore. Yeah, so, I just saw that. I just saw that. That's awesome. I, I was pretty excited for that. We like to head up to Lake Elsinore. That's just about an hour away from us. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to make the drive up and see you there. Yeah, that would be that'd be awesome. <clears throat> okay, so so how will this next question? So did you are you working out with anyone uh, any other minor leaders at the facility? Is there anyone else there that you're working with or paired with or? Uh, I'm on my own. I'm on my own out here. There's no. I don't. Uh, well, there's a couple. There's um, there's guys who will come like in and out of here, but no one really. I'm the only one in here who's really like long long term for the whole off season. So uh, yeah, it's mostly mostly me. <laughs> and you're not doing any camps or anything like that, no? Or you're just a, you're but you're the big dog in kind of in the facility. Yeah, um, I do help out over there. Um, I'll coach the travel teams like. Uh, their off-season, their off-season uh, fundamental classes. I'll do outfield stuff with them. I'll do hitting stuff with them. Um, so I'll spend a lot of time over there hanging out with the staff of the travel team, and then hanging out with speed guys. When uh, when we're not, when I'm not doing stuff, I'll be talking with them, hanging out with them. Just same thing. So I saw on Twitter that you uh, you have a handshake with Luis Patino. Yeah, so that kind of he he has a handshake with everybody, but um, ours came up from the Stone Cold, like from the Stone Cold when he would do the the beers together, yeah. just like a couple back and forth with the hands, and then um, like two fist bumps together and like an explosion. Like he's well for you guys at home, he's doing a fist like an explosion. Maneuver. Yeah. Uh, Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. So are you the Stone Cold fan or is Luis the Stone Cold fan? No, that's me. He, I, yeah, that was my walkout song too. His his entrance music was my walk-up song. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't yeah. know he had that entrance music. That's tight, man. <laughs> that's So, side note. Uh, Logan Allen, uh, the pitcher in the organization, he's friends yeah. with John Cena. So in spring training, hit up Logan Allen. Go like, dude, I know everything about John Cena. <laughs> What's up? Hook me up. <laughs> yeah, I should, right? That'd be cool. He said that John Cena is going to come out and throw the first pitch of the game when when Logan makes his his major league debut. I thought really? that was really cool. Yeah. Oh so yeah, that would kept be cool. Kept in touch and all that. 
Um, do you have any baseball superstitions? Anything about numbers or your pregame routine or anything like that? Um, I wouldn't say superstitions. I do. My routine is pretty similar throughout the season. Um, I haven't had it the past couple seasons, but my number has always been eight, and I haven't. I had it in NZL. I haven't had it in full season yet. One of these seasons, I'm gonna try and try and get it though. Was that Yogi Berra? Did Yogi Berra wear number eight? I think he did. Yeah. All right, all right. Enough of the baseball stuff. Let's get on with it. So, do you went? So, Sam Lewis is your clubhouse guy. You went to Fen- yeah. You went to Fenway with him this year. Yeah. How was that? That was awesome. We went. Yeah, we went to Boston for that um, for the ALDS series against the Yankees. Um, we saw games one and two over there. That was my first time in Boston. Uh, we were only for Sunday, but it was awesome. I mean that like place just going in there for the first time and then watching that rivalry during the playoffs that was the first time they played in the playoffs since 2004 which is obviously there's a lot of history there so i mean it was it was a really good first experience going over there did you use any of your pro ball do you use any of your swagger to get tickets or did you guys have to like straight buy them right off the internet Uh, no we just we just went on our own uh we got our own playing tickets we got our the tickets ourselves uh we we set it up ourselves did you get a chance to take a ballpark tour or anything like that? Um, we didn't do the tour, but we did get to Fenway super early so we could spend a lot of time outside the stadium. And then right when the gates opened, we went inside and we basically went anywhere we could in the stadium, you know, just getting the different views and getting different pictures. So do you notice, I, I, I've been to Fenway once and... You realize how we were smaller species back then. Like the aisles are super small, the seats are like tiny. Um, everything in the in the concourse is shorter. Yeah, so, dude, it's just I went there once and I was just I barely watched the game. I was like, Yeah, we sat oh in God, this is we sat in the original seats. Ah, so and those those like my hey Sam, he's taller than me by like an inch or two and. Both of our knees were, you know, banging the chairs in front of us, and we were, like, shoulder to shoulder sitting down, especially those games. It was packed. Uh, so I saw on your uh, your Instagram you went to Spain not too long ago. I, uh, I just got back, uh, like, a couple hours ago. Oh, no kidding. It's, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. So where did you go? What were some of your highlights of your trip? Um, so my cousin actually plays professional basketball over there in the EuroLeague. Um, that was the point to go and see him. So we, uh, it worked out well. We had a, me and my sister went, we had a layover in Madrid on Saturday. Um, so we had 12 hours there, spent the whole day there, uh, flew into his city and he lives at the Northwest side of Spain. It's called Acaruña. Um, we had a lot of time to hang out with him. We went to, took the train to a couple nearby cities, went to, Santiago, uh, Vigo, so I mean, in a matter of eight, nine days, we were in four different cities, um, just getting all those different experiences of their culture and what it's like over there. That's awesome. Dude, that's what an opportunity. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it was my first time out of the country, um, and it helped, it helped uh, that I did know a little Spanish from 
from pro ball that kind of helped me kind of adjust over there. I could talk to some people. If we met new people, uh, I was able to talk to them and order stuff like that, that, that little stuff, like going to, out to eat and being able to communicate with the, the waiters and the waitresses and the taxi drivers. Um, so that helped a lot. Yeah, traveling abroad definitely gives you a different perspective on you know, what we have here and, and what yeah. people deal with elsewhere. And Spanish is gorgeous, beautiful. Well, and that's interesting that you know Spanish, so you can communicate really well with all, you know, there's a lot of Latin guys in, in Fort Wayne. And yeah. being able to communicate with those guys, uh, I think it's huge, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're not able to talk with each other, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, we're able to, you know, here and there know what we're saying, but if if they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're learning English and our guys are learning Spanish. And I think when both sides are better at each language, then it definitely brings an advantage. Cause I mean, then you just get a better clubhouse atmosphere. Everyone that, that bond becomes tighter and that transfers out to the field. I mean, it all works out. Does the team do things to try to bring people from different backgrounds together to try to make it you know, the team building kind of stuff? Um, we, we definitely try and get to know each other um, pretty well. And we do, we, we all come from different, different areas, different upbringings. Um, and I think a lot of our guys are really interested by that. Like, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. You know, we go, I share an apartment with, Jalen, he's from Ohio. Mackenzie's from North Carolina. Campy from Georgia. So, you know, um, I'm living with these guys who are from all across the country, and I've only known them for a month or something. And then it's just crazy how they become some of your best friends after that. That's very cool. So, to the Latin guys, do they have a nickname for you, or do you have a nickname on the team? Um, not necessarily a nickname. They just call me it's basically swinky swinky or swinky or whatever it is whatever it is well it's good to, good to hear you call um anthony contreras ac so now when we see ac we'll talk we'll say ac um, yeah like what's up ac so do mean gene just died i'm not a big big wrestling guy but you know it's been around uh, Ever since I was growing up with, yeah. you know, with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, and you know, I think the Undertaker's still around. But Mean Gene just died. That was just. Were you a big fan of his? Um, he was before, before I started watching. He, I know he was like WWF. Okay. Back when it was like that old the classic stuff. Um, when I was growing up, it it was more WWE, SmackDown, Raw, and he wasn't around as much. But I. I did see him around. I uh, did. Is that more Vince, Vince McMahon kind of Vince stuff? McMahon. Vince yeah. McMahon was the like GM, chairman, whatever you call him, of the when I was growing up. That was his role. And you went to a couple of those matches? Yeah, I did. Growing up, I actually went to one this off season. <laughs> Once a fan, always a fan. Hell yeah, dude! It hey, was awesome. So Steve, Steve Austin, that music's pretty metal. Do you like metal music, or are you just like the? Um, I just like, like it. Something about like his entrance song, just like hearing that, like that shatter right at the beginning, and then it's like, dang, nah. I just think that's really cool, you know. Right when you like, for me, I mean, 
I just think that's really cool. Um, not a huge fan of like the metal music though. What do you listen to? Um, I like country, rock, hip hop. Uh, pretty wide variety actually, but I mean, mostly mostly it'll it'll go between country or hip hop. Hip hop, okay. Who has the worst taste in music at all your roommates? The worst? Worst. Oh. Another lightning round question. Yeah. I've been making this shit up. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know who has the worst, but, well, I mean, uh, Campy is a big music guy. He's always playing music at home, uh, full blast with uh. big speakers, and <laughs> we actually, I mean, we got a couple complaints from our neighbors that, uh, his music's too loud. <laughs> it, ooh, a little dirt. Interesting. Uh, that's interesting that you would, because you, you're, you know, you're, you have to be, you have to act like a pro. You have to be a pro, you know. But yet, well, you're you still pretty young, right? I mean, got it. Yeah. When we're, I mean, when we're away from the field, we like to, you know, um, do things that, um, like, kind of take our mind off baseball a little bit. Uh, I know for Campy, that's music. He really likes his music, and I mean, it's not like he's trying to be disrespectful to the people, other people in the building. That's just his release. Yeah. So, what do you do? I, I know a lot of these guys are into gaming. Are you a gamer? No, I'm not much of a gamer. Um, I like. I mean, I'll read sometimes when I'm in the mood to read. Um, movies. I'm a big movie guy. I'll like to watch new movies and then some older movies uh i'll go on youtube watch some guys on youtube uh just basically relax and i just relax netflix hulu that stuff so we got a, a, an insider tip we heard that when you were a kid you really wanted to be a firefighter and you had a, a jacket and a, and a hat that you used to run around in all the time uh do you still want to be a firefighter maybe after your baseball career is over I mean, maybe that. I mean, I think it's pretty cool what those guys do, you know. Not just firefighters, but policemen. Um, but firefighters is definitely a cool, cool job. I could maybe see myself doing that. You, you don't still have that old jacket and hat, yeah. do you? Do I? No. No, no I do. And, and, and you don't say sire cider, right? You say firefighter, tire, no. Tire cider, yeah. Uh, I <laughs> didn't say firefighter, so I said sire cider. Uh, yeah. We okay. I don't know if your dad. We emailed your dad. I, I can hold your dad. Oh, you can hold your mom. Your mom's on Twitter, and I'm like, hey, we're talking to Jack. Just give us a little bit of stuff. Come on, just anything. You yeah. Know, nothing too bad. And I'm sure she might have said, you know, hey, that's what I'm gonna tell yeah, you guys. She, she, yeah, she mentioned it to me. Uh. <laughs> she didn't tell me. She didn't tell me what she was gonna say to you guys. But <laughs> you guys read now. She's like, I'm gonna tell him some stuff. <laughs> uh, it was your dad that answered back. And, okay. Uh, and, and obviously he's super proud of you and, and your mom, but he told us that story. And he also told a story where, like, you played one game in the morning, and then the next, like, you run into your next game, and you're putting your uniform on, uh, and he said, with your seatbelt on, which I thought was very safe. And you're um, sucking down water and eating a burger like as you're rushing to the next game. Stuff in your face, and you get to the game, and you're sweating, and the coach is like, what's up with you? Why is Jack sweating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going to get you out of here in a minute. Uh, do we really appreciate you taking the time? Uh, great, great talking, just great you know, conversation. And well, just, yeah. But we got a lightning round to run. We got a lightning round, okay? All right, yeah, I'm ready. Who's faster, you or Robbie Podorski? 
Podorski. Podo for sure. Oh. That dude can fly. Podo. I like it. All right. Most played song in your playlist? Most played. Right now, it's probably a hip-hop song called Swervo by G Herbo. He's a Chicago rapper. Local guy. Pick that up on Spotify. Yeah. Nice. Most embarrassing song in your playlist? A, a song that you would be, like, your friends would go like, dude, do you have that song? That's kind of weak. Um, probably, probably Taylor Swift. Ah, we got the Taylor Swift. <laughs> so we asked that question to everyone, and people were like, uh, uh, and then, and then Royal go like, you need Taylor Swift? I like Taylor Swift. I like her as an artist. It's not my style of music, but... That's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, some of her music is just catchy. I mean, there was yeah. there was a time, there was actually a time uh, we were on the bus in my first year in Fort Wayne. First series after the All-Star break, I actually, they made me go up to the front of the bus. I had to sing a song. It was a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, yeah. Oh, my God. Did you see the video? So, um, Shohei Otani, uh, they had to do that on an Angels bus. And Shohei Otani got up in the front, and he had the lyrics, and he sang Despacito in perfect Spanish. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> it brought the house down. Dude, the Japanese accent, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. All right, Goldberg and Chris Jericho. Jericho. Who's your favorite, uh, who's a better actor, John Cena or The Rock? You said actor? Yeah. Uh, I say The Rock. Ah, I, think okay. I like The Rock. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. This is a regional question. Oh, yeah? Five guys are in and out. Are five guys. Five guys? Five. Yeah. Have you ever had an In-N-Out burger? Yeah, I have. It's more... I don't have that up here, though. Yeah. So I... I, first, I was first on Five Guys, so that's how I think a little better. You know, that makes sense, because I grew up here with In-N-Out burger, and I... The hands down to me. There's no competition. Yeah, yeah. Even though now we've got five guys out here. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's all we got. That's for all you. we got, so man. So thank you so much. We appreciate awesome. you taking the time with us. Um, I hope the rest of your off season goes well. And we're going to be out in uh, in Peoria in March, so we'll uh, we'll holler at you over the fence. Yeah. Let's tag up in spring training. Thanks yeah. for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that was cool again. Yeah, that Jackson was, uh, yeah, everybody we've talked to has been a, been very nice and friendly and, and warm and open with us. Yeah, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. And I love I love doing the FaceTime thing. We haven't done Skype because um, we haven't had to. We have the technology to do FaceTime. Uh, there's a, the audio was a little bit shaky because he was in the basement, which I'm sure in that part of Chicago, you know, it's, there's some probably concern with weather. Maybe. Um, but So there's a little bit of rough connection, but I love the FaceTime. I love being able to see him and how he reacts to our questions and how we react and I was making faces and kind of just going in and out of frame because well, I'm just we, a, but we were able know? to talk about the stuff going on behind him his, right you know, the, the Jack shrine and then the shrine to his sister over on the side and all of that I I like that we get to see a, a little bit behind the stat line and the yeah. articles and all of that that these are normal people with real interests and and hobbies and stuff um, you know adding a little bit of personality to the player yeah, and that's what I like to do as well with these interviews is not just hear about what he's working on in the offseason, which is really super interesting and kind of cool. And coming from Jack, he's the big dog at the at his facility, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to give back, playing with, you know, hanging out with the, some of the coaches, 
helping some the, of the younger the, kids. Bradley Westman's right down the street. Yeah. So cool. they can hang out on a regular basis, and the club can kind of keep a pulse on what's going on with him. That's very cool. And and we can see beyond the stat, like I said, beyond the stat line, beyond just the ball player side and the and the kind of the personal side. It's kind of like. Padres 101, or I don't know what was that, in-depth or in-focus or a cup of coffee with the Padres. It's just it's more than just a ball player. And we get to see these people who they are, they're human beings, and they have interests. And come to find out, he's a North Sider, which is freaking great. Well, if he's a North Sider, but he's a White Sox fan. Yes, the, which is weird. That threw your line of questioning all out of whack. It, it did. <laughs> I'm like, okay, 2000, thank God he said 2005. I almost said 2008. And then I couldn't remember Paul Konerko's name. And I'm like, oh, it's Konerko. God, hell yeah. Now that I'm thinking back, at AJ Przezinski was on that team. You mentioned yeah. Mark Burley. Um, oh my gosh, o- o- Orlando Hernandez, El Duque, wasn't he on that team? I think so. He's on that team. Uh, Jeff Blum hit the home run. I think against uh, the Astros, who he now is a uh, broadcaster for. Yeah. So I, and I and I love that about doing our interviews here, and it continues to roll. We, you know, we're just wrapping up this. This is our fourth interview, um, and. I can get more. Well, we got Ty France coming on, but we have to talk about. This is, our, this is our fourth player interview. This is our fourth player interview. We have uh, Ty France coming on here pretty soon in the next uh, in the coming weeks. We have all the audio that I recorded from the Fan Fest with Sam Gini. Lots of good insight there. We talked a little bit about before the interview. Um, we'll be packaging that in our next uh, in our next podcast. Absolutely, and uh, you know, and then the stuff that the the, the players were talking about with Logan Allen with uh, Reggie Lawson. And uh, just a real quick uh, side note. So Liddy asked me, like, what kind of question can I ask Reggie? No one's asking. Like, she feels bad when no one's talking to him. Like, she felt bad no one was talking to Nick because everyone wanted to talk to Logan. No, that, that's why I asked Nick a question <laughs> late because everybody was talking to Logan Allen and Ty Francis. Like, no, maybe they just don't know right. Nick as well because he just came up from – he's in single A. Yeah. Versus these other guys that have played double A, triple A. They get more press. Um, either on the 40 man or about to get added to the 40 man where you really kind of have to be paying attention to know who Nick Margavichis is yeah. at this point last this year was the first year that he really made a name for himself Yeah. Um, and Reggie Lawson is kind of the same way he was in single A this year so the people in attendance probably didn't know who he was anyway we'll talk about that in our next show right. so, so she asked me what to ask Reggie and I'm like well ask me about the slider He's got a brand new slider, and I kept like, well, yeah, he throws ninety five, but you know, he's got the slider. So her question was, and you'll hear it is, so Reggie, how about that ninety five mile an hour slide? <laughs> I, love, I love Ty's response. He goes, well, if you got a ninety five mile an hour slider, I don't want any piece of you, Francis. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so we got that coming up. Um, I'm gonna see if I can maybe reach out for a couple more people. Uh, we're getting, we are kind of winding down because these guys will in the in the coming February. We'll be getting close to getting ready to go to spring training. Uh, a lot of those guys have already arrived. You saw you. Yeah, Luis Patino was posting on Instagram, so he just arrived there this last week. Yeah, I'm it's... sure a bunch of other guys are going in to start getting some work in advance of when patch, pitchers and catchers start up. Yeah, so we'll see what we can do and uh, see if we can't keep putting out some content and definitely get some interviews. Uh, but till then, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am Roy at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Padres. Go Padres.